Well, good morning. It is good to be here this morning. Like Rob said, my name is Lexi. I'm the Family Life Pastor here. If we have not met, it's great to meet you. And maybe we have met and you forgot about me. That's okay. I was gone for a couple months on maternity leave. We had our daughter, Georgia, in October. I'll show you a picture because she's so darn cute. We had Georgia in October, and so I was home for about four months and got back to work in February, but this is my first time speaking since I think the end of last August. So it's been a long time, so I'm super excited to be back, and we're going to be continuing in our series, Love Fiercely, but I'll let you know, I was on maternity leave, but they were keeping us busy at home. Don't you worry. We were not just at home with our feet up. I wish we were, but our son is two. You've probably seen him running through the halls of the church. He only has one speed, and it's 100 miles an hour. So you've probably seen him running through the church. He's been keeping us busy. You know, Georgia has lived a lot of life in her six months uh, here on this earth at the hands of her brother. We've got some sort of like a Hot Wheels sacrifice going on here. He lines up all his toys around her. She's taken a Spider-Man figurine to the forehead. Um, she's had a pillow, I think, babe, a pillow on her face yesterday. Um, so yeah, we're, we're trying to keep her alive and we're trying to help Zariah understand that when we talk about loving fiercely, that's not exactly what we're talking about. We, you know, he needs to learn to love gently. So anyways, we've been busy, but it's so good to be back. And today I'm continuing us in our series that we kicked off last week called Love Fiercely. And I, I want to read what Pastor Adam, the, the definition that Pastor Adam gave us last week for what it means to love fiercely. Because I think this sums up our series so well. It's the intense and purposeful act of affection. And what I love about this kind of working definition is that it's not just feelings, right? Because we know that feelings are fleeting. And if we lived a life by our feelings, we aren't going to be very deeply committed to anything. But it's also not just um, action. It also is that piece of affection. And, and Adam said this last week, and I loved this, that the right feelings follow the right actions. And, and we do believe in Scripture that the Lord talks about an affectionate um, kind of heartfelt love. And so it's the combination of those two. And that's kind of where the, where the power comes in. And, and that's really what we're talking about in this series is how do we love fiercely and, and how do we more fiercely commit to our faith, to our marriage, to our family, and to our community? And something I love about this series, you know, we call this our family life series. This is our family life series here at BCA. But what I love about this is that this really is for all of us. Maybe you're not married or maybe you don't have kids, but we all can relate to how we can be deeply committed to our faith and to our communities. All of us here are a part of communities, whether it's your workplace or your family or your circle of influence with friends. We all have people in our lives that God has called us to love fiercely. And it's important for us to wrestle through that question of what can I do to develop a deeper commitment to faith, marriage, family, and community? And I would encourage you to ask that question to yourself, in your own heart, in your own mind. What can I do to develop a deeper commitment to be fiercely committed to faith, marriage, family, and community. And so today we're going to focus in on marriage. We're going to talk about what does it look like to love fiercely in the context of our marriages. And I want to say this, if you're here and you're not married, I want you to know that this message is for you because really what we're talking about today is the power of the Holy Spirit. And how many of you know that you need the power of the Holy Spirit in your life? Whether you're married, maybe you've gone through a divorce, maybe you're widowed, maybe you don't plan to be married, whatever your story is, we all need the power of the Holy Spirit in our relationships. So I would encourage you to ask the Lord how he might speak to you through his word today. And then for those of us that are married, 
would you just open up your heart? Maybe you're like, hey, I'm here and I have a really strong marriage. Why don't you lean in and ask the Holy Spirit to make your marriage even stronger? Or maybe you walked in and you're like, if, if I'm being honest, we're on the rocks and there's a lot of baggage and hurt. Would you be open-hearted and open-minded to what the Holy Spirit wants to do in those situations today? So we're going to pray and then we're going to jump right in. Does that sound good? Okay, God, we just thank you so much for who you are. God, even as we dive into a message today talking about loving fiercely, God, we're just reminded that we can only love because you first loved us. So God, thank you that you are our perfect example for love and, and loving fiercely and having committed deep love. God, we, we see that first in your love for us and we thank you for that. But God, we ask today that you'd open up our hearts and our minds that we would be ready to hear from you and from your word and God, that you would speak to us through your Holy Spirit in Jesus' name, amen, amen. Well, I wanna say before we get started, that I am not a marriage expert. I know that you guys thought you were coming to hear from a marriage expert. I've been married for four years, so as much as I might think I have all the answers, I am not a marriage expert. In fact, I would say none of us in here are marriage experts. We are all learning constantly, but I'm thankful that God's word is our expert, our guide, that we can come to God's word for direction, for clarity, and he gives us truth on how to love fiercely in our marriages. And so today we're going to read in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 4 through 6. Now, a lot of you have probably heard this passage, and I think something that's funny about this passage is it kind of has become like our cliche love verse, right? Like you hear it at weddings, you hear it... Um, you know, people will share it like on Instagram on Valentine's Day. Like, I just love you so much. First Corinthians 13. Like, it's kind of just become our love chapter that we quote often. But the Lord kind of spoke something to me this week through this passage that um, was kind of new. It was different. It was challenging in a fresh way. And so I want to read it for us this morning. In First Corinthians 13, verses 4 through 6, it says, Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable, and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. You know, I think when we read this passage, it's really easy in our minds to create like a do's and don'ts checklist, right? Like it seems so simple. You read this passage, and it's like, okay, that's not very hard. I'm just going to be more patient, I'm going to be more kind, I'm not going to be jealous, I'm not going to be selfish, I'm not going to keep a record of wrong, I'm going to be forgiving, like, this is really easy, like, do all these things and you're going to have a perfect marriage. Simple as that, right? Wrong. Because how many of you know that we kind of suck at a lot of the things on that list a lot of times? I'll be the first one to call myself out where I will say to myself, like, I'll be giving myself a pep talk, like, all right, Lexi, it's time to be more patient with Stephen and, and you're going to be a more patient wife and you're not going to get easily annoyed or whatever. And then guess what? Two minutes later, I'm getting annoyed about something or I'm being impatient or I'll give myself a pep talk like, all right, I am not going to keep a record of wrong. I'm not going to bring up old stuff. And then what happens? You find yourself in an intense discussion of sorts and you start bringing back that old junk to prove your point and prove that you're right. You know, it's so easy for us to fail at the things that this passage is talking about. The reality is, is that we are human and we're sinful. And the Bible talks really clearly about the fact that all of us in us have a flesh nature. And, and our flesh leads us in the opposite direction of where the Spirit of God is trying to lead us. And how easy is it when you're having a bad day 
or you woke up on the wrong side of the bed, or you're tired, or your spouse is just frustrating you, how easy is it to follow your flesh and be like, all right, Holy Spirit, I cannot go that way today because I am ticked off and I'm going this way. It's so easy to fail at the things that this passage talks about. So when we read this passage in 1 Corinthians 13, we shouldn't read it as if it's, you know, just some sort of checklist for us to just take and run with. Really, when we read this passage, what it should be for all of us is one big reminder that we desperately need Jesus in our marriages. That we desperately need Jesus in our relationships. You know, think about this for a moment. There is only one person who has ever fully embodied perfectly this type of love, and his name is Jesus. We need the power of Jesus in our relationships if we are going to love the way that God has called us to love. You know, the reality is, is that we are living in a very self-help oriented culture, so I think it's easy for our minds to go there. We live in such a self-help culture. You know, there are more resources than ever when it comes to books and podcasts and articles and blogs and conferences and all of these things about how you can be a better person or have a better marriage or just live your best life. We hear it all the time. In fact, just this past week, I was looking on Amazon, and in this year alone, there are 30 self-help books being released on the topic of marriage. Just this, this year, there's 30 books that are being released. Between iTunes, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, there are hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of podcasts about how to build yourself a better marriage, how to have a better relationship. The resources are more available than they have ever been Yet what I find so interesting is that it's expected that at the end of this year, the kind of new uh, statistic for 2022 is that 44.2% um, of first-time marriages will end in divorce. 44.2% of marriages. And that's just first-time marriages. It's even higher for second and third marriages. In Washington State alone, and this is just the last time that they took this census, they haven't even updated it yet, but the last time that they took the census in Washington State, 12% of our population is divorced currently, and it was an even higher number of people who are thinking about getting divorced or are in the process of a divorce. And the number one cause reported for divorce, I thought this was so interesting in light of this series, the number one reported cause for divorce was lack of commitment. And I thought that was so interesting as we're in a series talking about what it means to be fiercely committed to our faith, to our marriage, to our families, to our community. The reason I share that with all of you is because I think it reminds us of a very important truth. And that is that we don't need more self-help in our marriages. We need more heavenly help. We don't need more self-help in our marriages we need the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. And I was reminded in John chapter 14 this past week, I was reading this, and I've read this scripture so many times, but it was powerful to think about this in the context of our relationships. Jesus says in John 14, 15 through 17, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. 
even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. And in verse 25 through 26, it says, These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. You know, here's the truth. God has called us to fiercely love our spouse, to fiercely love the people that he's brought into our circle of influence. He has called us to love them fiercely with a type of love that we are not capable of in our own power and our own strength. And so in his goodness, he has given us the power of the Holy Spirit to empower us to love those around us fiercely. He doesn't just say, all right, go out and love people fiercely. He says, you need to go out and love people fiercely and I'm gonna empower you with my Holy Spirit so that you can do it well. So I wanna ask you to think about this for a moment. How would your marriage look different if you started relying on the power of the Holy Spirit instead of relying on yourselves? How would your marriage look different if you started to rely on the power of the Holy Spirit instead of relying on yourselves? What I truly believe is that it's time that we invite the supernatural power of God into our relationships because simply relying on ourselves isn't working. So how would your marriage look different? For the rest of our time together this morning, we're going to unpack this question. How do we rely on the Holy Spirit in our marriages? Because I think this is one of those topics that you can hear it and it's like, yeah, I love that. I agree with that. I want to receive that but we don't always know what does it look like to rely on the Holy Spirit in your marriage. So we're gonna unpack that a little bit and I would encourage you again, if you're not married or whatever your situation is, would you think about this? How can you rely on the Holy Spirit in your life and in your relationship? So let's jump in. Number one, we need to start with our own heart first. Now I will tell you, this is probably the hardest one for me personally because how much easier is it to look at the other person and focus on what the other person needs to change and, and think, okay, God, like, let's just team up, you and me, and like, we'll really fix them. Like, we can come together and like, we could do some big things in their life to really bring it all together. But then you go to scripture and God is so clear, no, 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 no. I wanna start with your heart first. I wanna start with your heart first. There's a passage in Matthew 7. And I'm gonna be honest, I don't like reading this passage very much. This is one of those ones where it's like the Holy Spirit just convicts me every time I read this, but it's so good. Verses three through four, it says, and why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you have a log in your own? How can you think of saying to your friend, let me help you get rid of that speck in your eye when you can't see past the log in your own eye? I don't know about you, but sometimes I love to focus on other people's specs because I don't really want to deal with the log in my eye. Like, I'm like, Lord, I'm not, I don't know if I'm ready to deal with that yet. I know you're calling me out and you're calling me up to a higher standard and it's just easier to focus on what someone else needs to do. But the Lord says, if you want to have a healthy marriage, if you want to have healthy relationships, if you want to be able to love fiercely, you need to start with your own heart first. So what does that look like? I think a couple things come to my mind. The first one is, is asking this question, have I committed my life to Jesus? 
I would say this is the first and the most important thing is have you committed your life to Jesus? Have you tapped into your power source yet? Have you connected yourself to Jesus through a personal relationship saying, Jesus, come into my life and forgive me of my sins. I want to live for you. That's the most important starting point is to say, Jesus, I give my heart to you first and foremost. The second one, and I think this is a big one for a lot of us, is are you actively growing in your faith? Are you actively growing in your faith? You know, I want us to think about this for a moment because this is a challenging thought. If someone walked up to you in the lobby right after church today and said, what are you doing right now in this season to grow in your relationship with Jesus, would you have an answer for them? If someone asked you, what are you doing right now in this season of your life to grow in your relationship with the Lord, would you have an answer for them? You know, I think sometimes we, again, we think in these like self-help terms of checking off the, off the boxes. Well, I go to church and, you know, I read my Bible when I can and, you know, I'm a good person, so I'm growing in my faith. But are we actively growing in our, in our faith? Are we actively growing in our relationship with Jesus, learning more about who he is, who he's created us to be? This Wednesday at church, we're starting a class, and you saw Sierra talk about this in the video announcements. This class is called Let's Talk About This. And I want to encourage you, if you're someone who's here and you're like, you know what, I want to grow in my faith, but maybe you don't know what step to take, or you don't even know how to grow in your faith, or you want to learn more about God's word, but you don't really know what that looks like, or maybe you do and you're like, you know what, I want to go even deeper, I would encourage you to sign up for this class Pastor Danny and Kyle are going to be walking through just some of the core biblical principles of what it means to follow Jesus. And really what this is, is just a resource to help you actively grow in your faith. One of the best things that we can do for our spouse is actually committing to grow in our own faith. Because when we are growing in our relationship with Jesus— the Lord is going to make us and help us become a better spouse to our partner. Are you actively growing in your faith? And then finally, the last question I want to ask is, do you pursue more of the Holy Spirit in your own life? You know, one of the uh, things specifically that the Lord spoke to me about in this area, in my, in my marriage and in my own relationship with him, I just felt like the Lord really clearly said, you need to tune back into the, to my voice, to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And I, and I realized through that that for me, there are times when being in tune with God's voice is easy for me, but then there's times where it's really hard. And usually when it's really hard is when I need it the most. When you're working through something hard with your spouse or you're dealing with something and you're frustrated and, and thoughts are filling your mind and there's a lot of emotions, the emotions are really high, those are the times where we need to hear God's voice the most, but it's often one of the times that we become the most disconnected from his voice. And I just felt the Lord say, hey, the way that you're going to apply this, pursuing more of the Holy Spirit, is you need to work on being more in tune with my voice when it's hard. But what does that look like for you? What does it look like for you in your life to pursue more of the Holy Spirit? Maybe it's saying, you know, Lord, when I look at the fruit of my life, it looks nothing like the fruit of the Spirit. And so I'm asking that you would help, help to make me more patient and kind and loving, that you'd help me with self-control, all of these things. Maybe for you it's saying, you know what, if I'm honest, I don't really hear the voice of God in my life. And you're going to begin to pray and, and ask the Holy Spirit to fill you, that you would hear his voice, hear his leading. 
If we're going to rely on the Holy Spirit in our marriages, we have to first start with our own heart. Be growing in our faith and be, be leaning more into the Holy Spirit. If we miss this point, we'll miss everything else. It starts with our own heart. And then secondly, and I think this is so important, how do we rely on the Holy Spirit in our marriage? We need to begin to seek God together. We need to begin to seek God together. You know, I think there's something really powerful that happens when we come together as husband and wife and we say, you know what, we're seeking the Lord together, hand in hand. It's not just you and you're seeking the Lord in your life and I'm seeking the Lord in my life, but also as a couple, we are seeking God together. Because here's what I truly believe. Being Christian and married does not automatically mean that Christ is at the center of your marriage. Being Christian and married does not mean that Christ is at the center of your marriage. And in fact, to take that a step further, I would say keeping Christ at the center of your marriage is a daily decision that requires action. Keeping Christ at the center of your marriage is a daily decision that requires action. It's not just a good idea. It's not just saying, yep, God, you're at the center of our marriage. It's that your schedule reflects it and your finances reflect it and your values reflect it. There's actions being taken to ensure that Christ stays at the center of your marriage. I want to talk through just really briefly some of the things that we can do as a couple to help keep Christ at the center. Some of the ways that we can partner together as a couple and say, you know what, Lord, we're not just going to say we want you at the center. We are going to actively keep you at the center together. I think the first one, and I think this one is so, so important, is praying together. There's so much power in praying together as a couple. You know, Stephen, my husband and I were talking about this uh, this past week because when we first got married, we were really good about this. We would pray together every single night before going to bed. It was something that we did and, and we prioritized that. Well, then we had kids and life gets crazy and we're going to bed at different times. And how many of you know there's a lot of excuses? Yeah, we always have a lot of excuses. There's always reasons why you can't do the thing that you're talking about doing. But this past week, we just had to have a moment where we came together and said, you know what, non-negotiable, we need to be praying together. I think the Holy Spirit does powerful things in those moments. I believe the Holy Spirit begins speaking to you about your relationship, about your kids, about your future and your calling as a family. There's powerful things that happen when we come together and we pray together. Rob was talking about this earlier, but we're doing these prayer nights on Sunday nights. I would say if, if you are someone who, who you feel awkward about praying with your spouse— and that's a very real thing. I've talked to a lot of people who are like, it just feels awkward because I, I don't really like praying out loud or we haven't done that together before. I would encourage you, come to the prayer nights on Sunday nights. That's a great place to start and just start learning about the habit of praying together as a couple. And then I just want to say, like, let's call it what it is, push through the awkwardness. Push through the awkwardness. If you're like, you know what, it's awkward for me to pray out loud and I feel awkward praying with my spouse, push through the awkwardness because there's going to come a time where it's not awkward anymore. It's just part of what you do. It's a value that you have as a couple. There's power in praying together. Secondly, reading scripture together. You know, I think this is a really important one because we see all throughout scripture that God's word as, is referred to as our anchor. It anchors us in truth. It anchors us in him. And God speaks to us through scripture. I think there's power in reading scripture together. Now, I want to say, 
For some of you, you're like, you know what, I don't have an hour in the morning or an hour at night to sit down with my spouse and, you know, read through a whole chapter or whatever that looks like. What I would say, be creative. Be creative and figure out ways as a couple to get scripture into your marriage. A really good one is if you have the Bible app on your phone, you can go into plans and maybe you can search a plan about marriage or communication or conflict resolution, whatever, whatever you want to dive into. And when you start that plan, it'll ask you, do you want to do it by yourself or with friends? If you click with friends, you can sync it up with your spouse's Bible app. There you go. You guys can read the Bible together. Maybe you have different schedules or whatever. You can still find a way to be in scripture together. Read scripture together. The next one is worshiping together. And I think this is one that we don't think about as often, but how powerful is it? Think about when we come to church on Sunday mornings, don't you guys just love being in this room together worshiping the Lord? It's like one of my favorite, it's one of the favorite parts of my week. How powerful is that when we do that as a couple? Maybe it's turning on worship music in your home or in the car and just saying, you know what? We want to create an environment of worship and we want that to start with our marriage. We're going to prioritize that. This next one, and I'm going, to tell, I'm going to be honest with you guys, this one gets me fired up, is attending church together. Now, the reason this one gets me so fired up is because uh, truly, I think that in our culture, prioritizing attending church has become an inconvenience. People see it as an inconvenience, and I would just say it is so far from an inconvenience. Really, it's an investment. It's an investment into your faith, it's an investment into your marriage. It's an investment into your kids. It's an investment into this community and into the kingdom of God to say it is a value of our families that we are going to wake up and we're going to get to church. Now, I want to say it's not a legalistic thing. And you don't have to make it a legalistic thing. It's not like, oh, crap, we missed one Sunday and now the Lord hates us and our marriage is going to fall apart. It's not a legalistic thing. It's just a matter of values and, and really practicing what we see in scripture. When you look at the early church, and actually we're gonna hear an awesome message from Pastor Caleb in a couple weeks about the early church and community. But when you look at the early church, what were they doing? They were gathering together to be in God's word, to pray together. They were gathering together in community, practicing generosity. And it says that the Lord was adding to their number daily those who were being saved. How many of you would say, man, I would love if the Lord was adding to our number daily in this church community, people who were being saved. So obviously there's something powerful about us coming together to be in community. Attend church together. Make it a priority to say, you know what? We are going to get up and we're going to get ourselves to church so that we can be in worship and hearing the word together as a couple. Another one, talking to each other about what the Lord's been speaking to you. When's the last time that you just simply asked your spouse, hey, what's God been speaking to you lately? And talking about it as a couple and then the last one, and this is a really practical one, but I want to invite you guys to this because I think it's going to be incredible, is this Wednesday, we're going to be kicking off a marriage class here at BCA called Prepare and Enrich. And Prepare and Enrich really is um, a curriculum that you go through. And so what you do is uh, as individuals on your own, you each take an assessment, and then that assessment gives you kind of scores, and it shows you the areas where your answers were the most different. In other words, here's some areas where tension could probably arise and how can you work through that as a couple? And Pastor Adam's going to be walking through this. This is going to be an awesome opportunity to do something together as a couple that says, you know what, we prioritize our marriage and we want to seek God together as a couple because we believe it's important. If we want to rely on the Holy Spirit in our marriages, we need to start with our own heart first. 
We need to seek God together as a couple. And then lastly, just as we get ready to close, is we need to plant our marriage in the right environment. Now here's what I mean by that. How many of you are gardeners? You like to garden? Anybody out here? Okay, that is not me, farthest thing from it, quite honestly. And uh, one year, I, I had a friend take me to a uh, planting class, if you will, for my birthday. And we planted a succulent in a terrarium. Is that what they're called? Those like little glass balls. Okay, so we planted a succulent in there. And I'm going to be totally real with you guys. I did not know that this thing was alive. Like, I really thought it was just for looks. Like, I thought it was like a decor piece. And so I did not know that my succulent was alive. And about a month and a half later, I'm talking to my friend Gabby on the phone. And she says, hey, how's your succulent doing? Like, mine, mine's dying. And I was like, dying? Like, what do, you, what do you mean dying? And she's like, dude, have you not been watering your succulent? And I'm like, I didn't know this thing was alive. So I went and checked on it. It was not looking too hot. So I'm Googling. I'm like, can I save my succulent? Like, it was a goner. And I realized as I was looking online of, about the environment it said that I should have kept my succulent in, it was like in the polar opposite. It was not in the right environment for it to grow. Now, the reason I share that story is because I think there's some of us who might even be here and would say, you're looking at your marriage and you're realizing you haven't planted your marriage in the right environment, yet you're wondering why it's not growing. You haven't planted your marriage in the right environment, yet you're wondering why it's not growing. And what I mean by the right environment is, are you intentional as a couple about making time for things and getting yourselves to places that invest in your marriage, that help you to have a healthy, godly marriage? Now, what does that look like? I think one thing that's huge is joining a life group. You know, I, I always joke about this because it makes me laugh. I have worked at this church for seven years. I've been a Christian for just about 10 years. And in that whole time, I really had never been a part of a life group that was for me. I led a lot of life groups, but I wasn't a part of a life group. And Stephen and I, we've joined a life group with some other married couples. And to be honest, it has been one of the best things that we have ever done for our marriage. To have other couples that are also pursuing Jesus, to be able to come alongside each other and pray together and go through life together and celebrate victories and walk through the valleys. Joining a life group, that's an incredible environment to plant your marriage in. The next one I would say is being intentional with your community. It is really important that you have boundaries, that you guard what voices you allow to speak into your marriage. If you have a friend who does not think very highly about marriage, they don't regard marriage in a very high way, that's probably not a great person to be speaking into your relationship. If you have someone that, that doesn't encourage you and your spouse or encourage um, you in your marriage and, and they're constantly talking to you about doing things that you know would upset your spouse or you know are outside of how God has called you to live, that's probably not a great person to have speaking into your relationship. Stephen and I have talked about this before, but it's mind-blowing sometimes when you can get into environments with people, community with people, who will just start trash-talking their spouse, like just tearing them down, cutting them down every chance they can get. That's probably not a great environment for you to be spending a lot of time in, or you're probably going to start doing that to your spouse. We need to be intentional with the community that we surround our relationship with. And then finally, we need to prioritize the right things. We need to prioritize the right things. Stephen and I were just talking about this the other day of what are the things that we can prioritize in our marriage that will help our marriage grow? 
Because I don't know about you, but I don't want to get years and years and years down the road and look back and say, oh man, I wish we would have prioritized this, this, and this. I wish we would have made, you know, praying together more of a priority. I wish we would have made tithing and keeping our finances centered around God more of a priority. I wish we would have spent more time going to church together and instilling that into our kids. So maybe it's time to, as a couple, sit down and ask the Holy Spirit for wisdom and say, what are the priorities that we need to move around so that Christ is at the center of our marriage? The bottom line this weekend, and what I really want to encourage you with, is that when we choose to rely on the Holy Spirit in our marriages, we will be empowered to love our spouses fiercely, and we will see our marriages transformed. When we decide to rely on the Holy Spirit in our marriages, in our relationships, we will be empowered by God's Spirit to love that person fiercely, and we'll see our marriages transformed. In just a moment, we're going to get ready to close and we're going to respond, but I want to address something really quick because I think every time you have a, a message specifically about marriage, there are always people that come into this and your heart is really troubled hearing this because you think, man, if you only knew what our situation was, if you only knew how much trust has been broken, if you only knew how much hurt there is, how much baggage there is, if you only knew the kinds of things that we have walked through together as a couple. And I would just say, I don't, I don't know. You're right. I don't know the things that you've walked through. I don't know the things that you're facing right now. I don't know the hurts and the baggage and the distrust that you've had to carry because of things that have happened. But I want to share something that I do know, and I believe this with every part of my being, and that is that when the Holy Spirit shows up, anything is possible. When the Holy Spirit shows up, anything is possible. In 1 Corinthians 13, throughout this passage, it's referring to the, this idea of spiritual gifts. And I want to read a moment in Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, we call this Pentecost, when we see the Holy Spirit show up in a really powerful way. It says, on the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of, an, of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them, and everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be, they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. So they're gathered together, and they're praying, and all the believers present are baptized in the Holy Spirit, and they begin to speak in tongues. It's, honestly, it's a miracle but why do I share that story right now? What's, what's the moral of that? When the Holy Spirit shows up, anything is possible. And we see it all throughout Scripture that every time the Holy Spirit was at work, the impossible happened. Now, this is what, do I, want, this is what I want to encourage you with, that when the Holy Spirit shows up, trust can be restored. When the Holy Spirit shows up, hurts and baggage can be healed. And even further than that, when the Holy Spirit shows up, forgiveness is possible. When the Holy Spirit shows up, broken marriages 
that seem like they're so far gone, there is no life that could ever be breathed into that marriage. When the Holy Spirit shows up, that marriage can be restored. When the Holy Spirit shows up, strong marriages can be made even stronger. There is nothing that is impossible for the Holy Spirit. And so if I got up here and I said, you just need to work harder and you just need to rely on yourself, it would be a huge disservice because we fall short We make mistakes, we fail, and there might be a lot of stuff that you're carrying with you right now. So what I want you to hear today is that more than anything else, what we need in our marriages is the power of the Holy Spirit. I wanna invite everybody to stand up. We're gonna get ready to close in a time of worship, and I wanna challenge you today to respond. I believe that every time that we come to God's word, the Holy Spirit wants us to respond. There's something in us that should shift, that should change. Maybe you're here and what needs to happen is you would say, you know, if I'm being honest, I haven't committed my life to Jesus and today is the day that I need to do that. As we worship, maybe you're just gonna pray a simple prayer of Jesus. I wanna give my life to you. Forgive me of my sins. I wanna live for you. And you're gonna commit your life to Jesus. Maybe for some of you here, you're gonna say, you know what? I need to invite in the Holy Spirit. I need to invite the Holy Spirit into my life, into my marriage. Maybe as the the band leads us in a worship song, maybe you're even gonna grab hands with your partner and you're gonna pray together, unified as a couple. Holy Spirit, we invite you into our marriage. We wanna see you do great things beyond what we could do in our own power. We wanna invite you in. And maybe the way that you're gonna respond is saying, you know what? If I'm being honest, I need to commit to my part. And here's what I mean by that. We have been working with our two-year-old on picking up his toys. There's toys everywhere constantly. And so we've been working with him on, buddy, you need to pick your toys up. And when he's picking his toys up, you know, he's still learning. So a lot of times we come alongside him and we're gonna help him pick up his toys. But we're not gonna do it for him. He needs to learn. It's good to learn, but we're gonna help him because we want him to be successful. The Holy Spirit has invited you to a partnership. So here's what I'll say. You can't stay in your marriage and say, all right, I'm not gonna do any work. Holy Spirit, just fix it. You have to be willing to show up and say, God, I'm here and I'm gonna give my best effort. I'm gonna put in the work. I'm gonna pray like crazy. I'm gonna love my spouse like crazy. And then Holy Spirit, will you fill in the gap and do what I can't do? And will you fill in the gap of my shortcomings? And will you empower me to love better than I could in my own strength? And will you empower me to forgive and to rebuild our marriage and strengthen our marriage? I just want to invite you to close your eyes right now. I'm going to pray for us. And then we're just going to take just a moment to respond. But God, right now, would you speak to us by the power of your Holy Spirit? Would you speak to us and show us how are we to respond today? God, we partner alongside anyone that's in here giving their life to Jesus in this very moment. God, we come alongside them with the prayer that so many of us have prayed of, Jesus, forgive me of my sins. I wanna live for you. I'm gonna commit my life to you. God, right now we open up our hearts and our minds and we invite in the Holy Spirit. God, we declare that we do not wanna try to tackle life and marriage and relationships on our own. We want your power within us. So God, would you fill us with the power of your Holy Spirit? And God, would you give everyone in this place a fresh desire, a fresh motivation to commit to their part in their marriage? 
God, we pray supernaturally that trust would be rebuilt, that marriages would be restored, that new connections would be formed. God, I even pray for, for couples who have become more like roommates and they're, they're going through life together, but they're not connected, that you would connect their hearts on the deepest level. God, we pray that you would breathe fresh life into our marriages. We open up our hearts, God. We are ready to receive all that your spirit has for us. And in these moments of prayer and worship, God, I pray that this would be a powerful moment of making declarations of the kind of relationships that we're gonna have here at BCA. God, we love you. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen.